0: Welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined by my colleague, Pastor Paul Ninas. Paul, good to have you. Always great to be here, Ben. Yes, it is, isn't it? So we've been walking through Mark's gospel. We're here kind of towards the beginning. We're in the fifth chapter. We've seen uh, the baptism of Jesus. We've seen Jesus call his disciples. We've seen Jesus start to perform these miracles and preach. And all along, people have wondered Uh, who is this guy? Who is this man? Who gives him this authority? And we've started to see uh, that that Jesus is is sort of secretive about this. We start to see that Jesus is is kind of predicting um, some of the suffering that's going to come into his life, but also into the lives of of the people who follow him. And so we're, we're sort of unfolding this picture of who Jesus is. And today uh, we're gonna we're gonna look and see a couple miracles that are sandwiched together uh, that affect the lives of of some people and and really show us another piece another layer of who Jesus is. Um, you know, thinking about studying Scripture, opening the Word of God, Paul, what is what's your process for how do you? St- for personal devotion, or how do you get into the?
1: I've done a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's great to have different study guides. I've used different devotions. You know, sometimes I've read the Bible from beginning to end. That to things, found myself in the Psalms a lot, just mm-hmm. personally. Um, I think my process is whatever it is. Just open it up. Uh, I find that my best reflection comes when I journal.
0: Mm-hmm. Me even, too.
1: Even though I'm not a journaler, I don't like it. Yep. but my brain goes so fast that if I have to write out my thoughts, it helps me focus, it helps me slow down hmm. and really dwell into what God has, has said there. Otherwise, my thoughts just go a million miles an hour.
0: Okay, so um, I'm the exact opposite. My brain goes so slow that if I journal, it makes me, it forces me to complete thoughts.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mine is probably incomplete thoughts, but this is because I jump from, hey, that squirrel, that squirrel, that squirrel, right? Damn. And so journaling makes me get a cohesive prayer, a cohesive thought. Yeah.
0: So what, you know, on, if on someone it. someone who's listening and thinking, well, I, the Bible is intimidating to me and I don't
1: know where to begin. What would you, I mean, what, how would you encourage them? Well, I would say the most important thing that I've learned in the study of scripture and prayer is to be accountable to somebody else. Mm. Uh, when I was in seminary, I had a, a prayer partner. We had some mentors that said, you're yep. going to partner up. Yep and you're going to pray together and we prayed together weekly. I don't think I would have done that if I wasn't accountable to somebody else. kind of like working out in a gym. Yep. Um, I have a a prayer group now that I've met with for the last 16 years. Wow. Weekly. And we do different exercises and different studies and and stuff and we read scripture together and pray together. And so that, because I know I'm going to meet with those gentlemen, you know, that holds me accountable to that process, right? Same as don't do it alone. So I would say if you don't know where to start, plug into your local church. Yeah. Find a good yeah. local church. Yeah. Join a study, find yeah. a small group, find a Bible study. Call your best friend up and say let's do this together. That'd be my advice. I like it. I like it. I forgot. Yeah, I had
0: we had a prayer. Ours weren't partners, but we had when I was in seminary, we had group like a prayer group that met like a small group of people. And yeah, that is a powerful thing to read together and Accountability is huge. I mm-hmm. think we know that in every discipline in our lives, right? Absolutely. And that's what this is. It's, it's a discipline that changes and reshapes your life. So we'll do it together right now. How does that sound? Sounds awesome. And we'll keep each other accountable. We're going to read from Mark, the fifth chapter. We're going to read starting at verse 21, and we'll read to verse 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. While he was by the lake, then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So, Paul, when, you, when we read that, initially, just what sort of jumps off the page at you or what questions
1: come to your mind? Yeah, this is two powerful stories of healings, both for women, one an older woman and one a 12-year-old girl.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think what drops off my mind is just, as I read it through this time, tried to put myself in the situation of these families. Mm -hmm. And uh, what jumped out is, you know, here's a woman in Jewish tradition and culture because of her affliction would have been perpetually unclean. Yeah. Perpetually shunned Mm -hmm. and had to be separate, you know, couldn't touch people because she would make them ceremonially unclean. She shouldn't have been in that crowd. She shouldn't have been in that crowd. And she, you know, receives this miraculous healing and, just doesn't even know what to do as she falls down in, in fear at Jesus' feet, like like nobody's been able to do this for me, and you, and it just happens, boom. And so the power of that moment, and then I think also the power of the moment. Here's Jairus, who's a synagogue official, mm-hmm. whatever that means. But that's the synagogue would have been the, that local church. It's not a temple official, but mm-hmm. this is a local ruler
0: mm-hmm.
1: of a synagogue, so a deeply religious person that is seeking Jesus healing in that moment of desperation Mm -hmm. and the crowds already mourning this girl's death, but Jesus knows she's not dead yet. So this isn't a resurrection. This is just a girl that is like this close to death, right? That everybody's thinking that she's dead. They're wailing loudly, which is a tradition. Maybe we don't see in our culture where, where people, we kind of grieve silently. Yeah. Um, But in that culture, when somebody would have died, they would have just wailed loudly. And, uh, and this little girl goes in with the parents in a smaller group. And I think what, like, struck out of me is Jesus' practical concern. So he goes in with the parents. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to scare the girl with the big crowd.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then he's worried about it, like, give her something to eat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. she's better. Mm-hmm. Just this very practical, tender, loving mm-hmm. concern that he had mm-hmm. for the girl. Those were the things that jumped out to me this time.
0: There's some interesting... How about you? Some interesting similarities actually between these stories so um, the first thing that I noticed is okay we have someone who for 12 years has been basically in this place of isolation sort of like death away from everyone and at the same time we have a girl who's 12 years old who has experienced 12 years of life and so there's We're parallels with that. 12, between yeah twelve yeah. disciples
1: yeah there's yeah, t- yeah.
0: so the numbers the numbers is interesting but yeah. like so twelve not necessarily because of the symbolism of twelve but just the experience of the life of these two people for those twelve years they've been coming to this point where at the end of that period of time Jesus is going to give them a new life and I think that's interesting the other thing that I saw um, that I'm not sure exactly what to make of it is this both Jairus and this woman, the two who are expecting, hoping for a miracle, come to Jesus and they both fall at his feet. Mm. And they, you know, they kneel before him almost as a, you are the king. It's a proclamation of who he is. And we've been talking over the past weeks about, you know, people have been wondering with you know, what's the the authority that Jesus has, and this is just a, a display of that. People, this is a
1: Wayne and Garth moment. People, yeah. We're not worthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not worthy. Yeah, you've just encountered the yeah. divine, right? You, yeah, you've you've been at the end of your rope and thinking nothing's going to help, and then God yeah. moves. Yeah, you, of course you're going to fall to your knees. Yeah,
0: and and that for the people around them says something not just about, um, so we have a person in a high place who's the you know, leader of a synagogue, bowing before Jesus. We have a person who's in a low place, unclean, bowing for Jesus. And it's this idea of who is Jesus here for?
1: Yeah. And then that number 12. This is why the English system is better than the metric system and is why it's base 12 because yeah. of, yeah. of this right now. Yeah. It's there you ho- go. It's holy and designated by God. Yeah, there you go. That's it's sarcasm. A con- it's a it's For those that didn't catch <laughs> that, I, I don't know. Maybe that is actually the root of why it's base 12. I have no idea.
0: I... Numbers scare me, so I just <laughs> there you go, so you want went to into do the math. ministry, Ben <laughs> yeah, exactly, but uh yeah, so it's just it's sort of interesting how these stories weave together, yeah and and the other thing that I often think about when I'm reading scripture, because we don't always get this is you know like, what did when Jesus says something like, Who touched my clothes mm-hmm. what's the inflection of his voice, because he knew he's Jesus yeah. But is he, does it sound like, you know, is he? does it sound like anger? Does it sound like pure wonder? What, you know, what...
1: Um, Compassion. Yeah. Is is giving permission for the woman to acknowledge
0: yeah. him. Yeah, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. But man, she must have been scared. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah, because here's a rabbi and you touched him and you're unclean. Yeah, which would actually, if an unclean person touches you... There would have been
0: penalties to this sort of would punishment. You'd be unclean. Yep. And if you, you know, the girl is not dead, but if you touch a dead body, you're unclean. You're unclean for I think seven days, or you know, something like that. So there's something else happening here where Jesus is making these exchanges, almost. And the, okay, the question that I have, the biggest question is, Jesus felt the power go out of him. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a interesting. Interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't have an answer to that one, except
1: that he's Jesus.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll put that on the we'll put that on the list of things we can't answer on this podcast.
1: <laughs> it's Perfect. The,
0: it's the for later. Okay. So what's going on here? We've got these two miracles, and they're woven together. Um, maybe I think you know over the past couple episodes, we've talked just about miracles in general. I'd like to just go back there and get your perspective. Um, you know, we've talked about miracles as being. C.S. Lewis talks about almost like a the supernatural reaching in to the natural world and doing something beyond. Uh, what? Where do you sit
1: with? What helps you when you think about miracles? Yeah. Well, I think that there's an everyday use of miracles that. You know, if I if I look at my children, when I first held my children, I thought, Oh, what a miracle. Mm-hmm. I think I've said it
0: mm-hmm.
1: in prayers like baptisms or something mm-hmm. like, you know, this child, thank you for this miracle of this mm-hmm. child. And, mm-hmm. and and in the expression of that word miracle, what you're what you're saying is, Wow, well, this is from God. And this is a great yeah. gift. And it's a divine act of creation. Mm-hmm. But then I also have, I think, a theological, technical definition of miracle. Mm-hmm as I look at scripture and as I look at the book of Acts and the work of the early church, is that a miracle is, what C.S. Lewis said, uh, is a supernatural act of divine power, meaning it cannot be explained by natural means. Yeah. And there are many of these things throughout history. Right. Supernatural act of divine means that reveals to us something about God.
0: Hmm. So there's kind of a three parts to that supernatural, divine, and that
1: reveals something. Right. Okay. Yep. And so so the purpose, for me, the purpose of a miracle is not so much the healing as it is what is Jesus teaching us about who he is. This question that you were asking, who is this man? Mm-hmm. About who God is and God's desire for all humanity. And so miracles, in a sense, are a breaking in of the kingdom of God of the the reality that will, will be one day when God wipes every tear from every eye and heals every hurt
0: mm-hmm.
1: a miracle is a, a breaking in of that future reality that's designed to to bring us there what's interesting about Jesus and his miracles Jesus doesn't heal everyone yeah. he, he the crowds are falling I'm sure everybody there probably knew someone that was sick or hurt or had some injury or, or those types of things he doesn't heal everyone it's not documented he doesn't solve every problem on the earth and and certainly we wonder why you know why didn't he do that um because the miracle i believe primarily was not about the healing the miracle was to show us something about who god was when jesus walks on the water he shows us that he has power over the elements when he calms the storm same thing in this terms of healing, especially because of the clean, unclean things, mm-hmm. uh, it shows us that the, the Jesus is the one that makes unclean things clean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unclean things don't make him unclean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He makes unclean things clean. Right. Uh, it shows us that that he has the power to heal in the most chronic and and devastating situations mm-hmm. of life, right? So it's revealing to us something about God. I think that's the question today that that the listeners ask him well why doesn't god perform that miracle for me.
0: Yeah. Cuz it would be easy it would be easy to make that jump and there's nothing wrong with reading this story and saying well I had to say goodbye to my child too early.
1: Yep. And and being in that place of hurt. But here's a story of someone whose child yeah. miraculously yep. lived. Why didn't he save my child? Yep. And those are really difficult questions. And I think, again, we have to look at that, that piece of what's the purpose of the miracle. Uh, I think certainly believe that God can do what God does mm-hmm. um, and God can perform the miraculous. But again, we're not in a period of time in, in the history of the world where God's going to heal every hurt
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and solve every thing. I think if miracles happen today, in our world, they they follow the same biblical pattern. They're there to show us something about who God is and mm-hmm. God's intent and to witness to what God is doing in this world so that people would come to believe and, and have faith. Why it doesn't happen more or less, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Uh, I wonder if it's, and I've never really
0: entertained this thought fully until this moment, but i wonder if part of it is you know for us reading about this for those people there seeing it it's almost as if to say these are the things that god can do
1: yeah and they are signs of what god will do yeah so th- the word miracle is actually a later latin term in the in the old testament it's signs and wonders mm. and you know these are these are divine acts of healing the miracle, you know, like it says in this in the Bible I'm reading, there's a title in between that says miracles and healing, but that's that was added later. Mm-hmm. Nowhere is the word miracle mm-hmm. here, that's a, a later thing. And so what Jesus is doing is this divine healing, this supernatural act. There so I think the way to, to understand miracles or what, what do Christians believe about miracles is I, I tend to look at it as a continuum. So on one end you actually have some people are called cessationalists that believe that history is divided into specific areas, periods of time, dispensationalism would be what it's called. And, and they believe that there was a time and place when Jesus walked the earth and, and that early church existed where the miraculous happened. And it was for the purpose of witnessing to the divine nature of Christ so that so the church could be built, so other people could do that but we are now in a time where miracles don't exist. And so they would say any modern day claims of miracles are suspect, mm-hmm. that there was something else happening. Mm-hmm. That there's gotta be a natural e- explanation, right? Yep. It'd be either con, you know, the skeptical side of that, or it's emotionalism or it's, you know, mind over matter sort of stuff for whatever reason that they happen. That's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Christians that tend to come from a more Pentecostal tradition or be part of a more Pentecostal tradition literally base their ministries and, and everything is about being at a place by faith to receive the miracle, to produce the miracle. And that's the ultimate goal. And the miracles become then the ultimate sign of who God is and, and our belief. This is, or the reason why we should believe in Jesus because he, he, he performed the miraculous. And, and the critique of that is then you're holding miracle to a place that it really wasn't meant to be biblically that, That what we need to believe, you know, is is the word of God, and so you're 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 almost creating an idolatry, of worshiping the miracle rather than the miracle maker. Mm -hmm. That's the spectrum, right? So you have Mm -hmm. one And I think the most Christians are somewhere in between that. Right. We come in from a Lutheran tradition, and so Martin Luther wrestled with that, the miraculous, and in his day. Uh, what he really wrestled with is that within the Roman Catholic tradition, miracles were often ascribed to saints or relics of the saints. So if there was an article of clothing or a piece of jewelry or a cross or something that a saint had owned or held, uh, people would go around to raise money for the church and claim that if you touched that thing, kind of like you touched the garment of Jesus' robes, that you would have healing or you could have a faith healing and it was used to exploit people. And so Martin Luther was very critical of that. But he did theologically lay out, though, that the idea that God can intervene in his creation in the natural order in supernatural ways. Luther certainly held that that could be true, uh, that, that we can. And so for us that grew up in the Lutheran tradition, I think we're kind of in the middle of that spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Where we believe, yeah, there's, a, there's the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can move in this world and perform the miraculous. And, and you know, we can pray for healing, we can pray for uh, a miracle, uh, but to understand that by faith, sometimes it will come, sometimes maybe more than often it won't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, it's not to say that we don't trust God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just to say that God has a bigger purpose, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would also say that that we also, Lutheran, have an understanding, and a lot of Christians have this understanding too, That that is God still doing the, the miraculous? Absolutely. Because... One of the supernatural acts, I believe, that God is doing every day is converting sinful hearts by his grace. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And so the miracle of when we gather together and we receive communion and receive the forgiveness of our sins or we confess our sins to God and we hear the words of absolution Mm -hmm. um, or we pray and we ask for forgiveness and receive that forgiveness... Mm -hmm. Uh, and we receive grace, and we know grace, that's miraculous, because that is a divine act of God. Mm -hmm. I think people,
0: you know, the bigger question that people are asking when we wonder about miracles is this question of, is God actively at work in my life? Is God here doing things? And the answer to that is, of course, yes. Um, And I think there are, you know, first of all, we have to open our eyes to it, and our hearts have to be willing to receive it and um, you know you talk about I think as Lutherans we have a very clear picture of God is always at work in these ways you know these means of grace these these highways by which God travels like Mm -hmm. uh, you know his word and the gospel proclaimed to people and forgiveness and um, you know the the waters of baptism where his promises meet us these things are always happening I think if we start there we'll begin to see God at work in other places. Right? right. And that's why we gather around those things week after week so that
1: we can go out into the world and be open. And what was Jesus' ultimate purpose? Was it to heal every hurt and heal every wound? Or was it to forgive every sin? Right. So that we would go to a place, a, a reunion, we would go to our true home yeah, where every hurt and every wound will yeah. be healed. Yeah. And and that's hard for us to understand in, in the moment, but I know there've been moments in my life where we've experienced suffering or hardship, where I've had pain and, and hurt in my family and those things where you pray and you ask God and you implore God and you're on your knees and you want, I've been there. Mm-hmm. You know, you want things to change. You want God to intervene and he doesn't. But then as you're faithful to him, the thing that I've seen is it's precisely in those moments it's precisely in those moments that God has worked me through that and drawn me into a deeper communion, a deeper intimacy with him. And, and that is something profound and it's something beautiful. And so, so God's ultimate goal is to give us a gift even greater than the healing, yeah. which is to know him. And that, I think that's hard for us to understand we're so in this world yeah. because we feel the pain. We, we're we're suffering now, but to understand that there is a kingdom reality and gift of the presence of God to know Him, that is greater than our current suffering. Yeah, we actually
0: we kind of got slapped with that very same thing when earlier in Mark's Gospel, when these four friends bring their friend, yeah, who is paralyzed, and they lower him through the
1: roof. What's harder to do?
0: Yeah, and and th- you know, of course, they're expecting that Jesus is going to say, "Hey." You know, get up and walk. But the first thing he says is, your sins are forgiven. Right. And I think that reveals
1: his ultimate purpose. What is the first thing that he does? And every miracle that you see Jesus do is, is pointing to the miracle of the cross. Yeah. Of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the cross and the empty tomb, and what God is accomplishing there. And so miracles are signs and wonders, yes, that point us to Jesus, that ultimately point us to what God is trying to accomplish in humanity mm-hmm. for us, which is to heal us all.
0: Yeah, and I go back to what Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry in Mark's gospel, which is um, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so all of these things are little glimpses, little pictures of that kingdom. What, where, is, where is Jesus ultimately taking us through his death and resurrection, he's taking us to this kingdom where sins are forgiven, where healing happens, where there are no more tears. You know, that's that's where the the whole of of scripture is leading. It's leading us to this place where God
1: redeems what has been lost and broken. Yeah, yeah. And so, should we pray for God's will be done? Should we pray for the miracle? Should we pray for the healing? Absolutely. But but we remember that Jesus taught us to pray. You know thy will be done yeah not my right except I always want to say my well don't we all yeah yeah so that's the the piece that that keeps us focused on what God is trying to do us doing yeah. us by faith yeah I think the dangerous thing to do here is uh, you know what I wrestle with in, in this Texas you know Jesus saying you know your faith has made you well um and I think a dangerous way to interpret that is to say, well, the reason I didn't have enough healing is I didn't have enough faith.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and the way I, you know, well, Jesus did say your faith has made you well, but, but then it, it's to come to the understanding that faith ultimately is a gift from God and not a, a, a work of my will. Right. It's a surrender more than it is a flexing of my muscle.
0: Yeah. And, and we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, just about this connection actually between, between faith and, uh, faith is being this sort of invisible thing in our minds, but really what it is is it's an active thing. Mm-hmm. It's the faith of the friends that brought the paralyzed man to Jesus. He, it says he saw their faith. Um, so this, this thing, this gift that God gives us actually becomes visible in how we act and move and live in the world. This woman, she, didn't just, she wasn't just wandering in the crowd. She was seeking Jesus, and I think that's what faith does, right? Faith is
1: the thing that brought her to that healing. Faith is what gives us intimacy with God. And, and faith is a gift, but we do grab a hold of it. We do mm-hmm. surrender to it. Mm-hmm. We do. We do make a choice to work with God and His work in the world.
0: And that's what both of them do. And that's what, that's that, the faith there. And that's the that's the the kneeling down. Right is it, the surrender of, I can't fix this on my own.
1: It, I need You. Right. And that's what the faith opens us up to is the the possibility and the reality that God, is bigger and greater and can do, what God can do miraculously. So we have been seeing this unfolding of
0: of this picture of who Jesus is. We know where it's going to lead. It's going to lead to the cross. It's going to lead to an empty tomb, and it's going to lead to a world that is changed forever. We're going to keep making our way there each week, and so I invite you to like and subscribe. If you subscribe, what happens is uh, it'll let you know when the next podcast comes out so you can stay up to date with, with all the podcasts that come out. If you want to know more about Hope Lutheran Church, the things that are happening here, we'd love to have you visit our website at fargohope.org. Uh, we'll see you back next week. In the meantime, I invite you to stay deeply rooted.